Amen, amen. I want you to look with me in Galatians chapter 3, and that's our main text. And we're starting with verse 13, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, look at it with me. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, talking about the cross, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Now, let's start over again. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, notice that the blessing of Abraham, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And if we skip all the way down to verse 29... You'll see here, look at verse 29. And if you are Christ, are you guys Christ? Do you belong to him? Say, I belong to Christ. So if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Notice that. If you are Christ, then you are, say it with me, I am am. of the seed of Abraham. Abraham. Now, notice what it says. And heirs according to the promise. I'm an heir. Why? Why? Because I'm in Christ. In Christ, praise God. I'm in Christ. That makes me the seed of Abraham and entitles me, according to what we see here, heirs according to the promise. Does an heir do anything to receive their inheritance? Do they do anything other than they just receive it, right? We don't do anything. We just receive it. Notice we're an heir. That's a good thing. Amen? Now, We see here, we owed a price we couldn't pay. In other words, you and I were sold out in slavery to sin. And as a result of that, that put us uh, in a position where we're sinners and sinners do what? They break the law. They are lawbreakers. We, by default, okay, we didn't do anything specific by default, Um, The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, we see here we owed a price we couldn't pay, but Jesus comes along and pays a price he didn't know. So he sees us in this condition. He's going to do something about it. Jesus himself took upon the curse for us. In other words, the best way to say this is he became our substitute. He stepped in and paid the price for what he didn't know, all right? Jesus wasn't in trouble, right? Jesus wasn't in a situation where he needed to do these things. He did them because he wanted to do these things. He did them because he cared about us, all right? He loves us, and that's where we get John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, those that are in it, that he gave up his one and only son. And Jesus volunteered, for the responsibility to pay the price for us. So in other words, he became our substitute. He took our place. We were under the curse by default, as I mentioned. And Jesus comes and pays the price to free us from the curse of the law. And that's what I want to look at tonight. He came to free us from the curse of the law. Now, 
As we looked at last week, there are three main areas to the curse of the law. In Deuteronomy 28 is where we read it. When we said, when we refer to the law, we're going back to the first five books of the Bible or the Pentateuch. And in there, in Deuteronomy 28, we see the penalty for disobeying God, for, for just simply disregarding His commands. And we made it clear that God is not cursing us. God did not, God doesn't go around cursing. God doesn't go around bringing death. He doesn't go around bringing sickness or poverty or anything else. These things are a default. In other words, what we understand is there is uh, good and bad. There is God full of light and life and goodness and blessing. And then if you step outside Him, there's no gray area. If you step outside that, where are you? You're out in the curse. You're out in an area you don't really want to be in. We have the right and privilege God allows us that if we live the way He designed us to live, uh, we're in this circle, if you will, or under the shadow of the Almighty is another way of saying it. We're near Him. We're under the, this blessing but if we choose to say, ah, you don't know what you're doing, Lord. I think I can run the show better. And we decide to step outside his gate, so to speak, then we're on our own. God is not, he didn't make us do anything. We chose to step out. How many know Adam made a choice, didn't he? Right? He, God said, God told him, all these things are yours, Adam. I mean, he blessed him. Adam was smart. He named every animal. How many guys know there's more animals than you could ever memorize in your lifetime? And they're still discovering them. And he named them all. And they came to him. Why? Because he had dominion over the earth. And they came and bowed before him. Think about it. I mean, lions and tigers and bears. No, oh my. But they came before him and bowed to him and looked for their name. And he named them. I mean, think about who he was. But God told him, Adam, if you disobey me, if you choose sin, if you go that route, he said, what would happen to him? He said, in dying, you'll die. In other words, there's only one thing outside life. What's the opposite of life? Death. And so he told Adam clearly. Adam understood. If Adam can name all everything, do you think he can handle understanding a simple thing that the Lord told him? He fully understood. The Bible says Eve was deceived. Adam was not. Adam went with a clear mind. He knew exactly what he was doing, and yet he chose her. He chose a path opposite of what the Lord laid out. And by default, where does he end up? He disobeyed God, and therefore he's outside the circle. He sinned. He separated himself from the Lord. And the Lord told him what would happen, and exactly what he said would happen happened, didn't it? Exactly that. Well, we see here that the curse of the law was there, and the curse of the law includes three major areas. Sickness, which we looked at last week, poverty, and spiritual death. And tonight, we're going to look at or focus on the curse of poverty, where we are with that and how we're free from it. First of all, we got to understand this. Many people think 
that how they were raised or their environment or level of intelligence or their education or their background puts them in a status, if you will, of being rich or poor. There's this thing in this world that if you're in this group, you're good, and if you're in this group, you're not. Or people who are having difficulties will blame everybody and their cousin. That's why they're having the difficulties, right? We blame the government. They're taxing us out. That's why we're broke. Or we blame this, or we blame the lack of opportunities, or we blame this, or we blame that, and so on and so forth. But I want to present something to you that steps outside of that realm, and that is there is a spiritual link, a spiritual connection to prosperity and poverty, to both of them. And so I want to present that to you and have you think that way. First of all, all things with God involved and inspired are filled with life and blessing and goodness and prosperity. But when you step outside the realm of God, when you step away from God, there's another area and it's the opposite of all those things. How do I know that? Well, look with me real quickly in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Real quickly, I want you to see this with your own eyes because this is important. I also want, why don't you do this too? Go to 3 John. 3 John and 1 Timothy chapter 4. Again, there is a spiritual link to prosperity and poverty. So, 1 Timothy 4, 3 John. All right, just keep your finger in 3 John. 1 Timothy chapter 4, let's look at verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, For bodily exercise profits a little. Everybody want to say, preach it? <laughs> Does bodily exercise profit us some? For bodily exercise profits a little. Is it good? Is profiting a little better than no profit at all? all right? So we're not saying, the Bible says clearly right here, we shouldn't exercise. <laughs> For bodily exercise profits a little. It's a good thing. All right? I'm just making a point here. It's a good thing. But I want you to notice it profits a little. But notice what it says. But godliness is profitable for all things. Now there's that word all again. I love that word all. It's an all-inclusive word. For godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So what is this saying here? Are we to be profitable now? Look what the verse says. But godliness is profitable for all things. Let's straighten that out. Is godliness profitable for all things? Does all things mean all things? All things mean, does it mean spiritual things? It means all things. It means natural things, right? It means everything. Godliness is profitable for all things. Our life consists of zillions of things that you know, we deal with and do all the time, both spiritual and natural. So God's, the Bible says that godliness is profitable unto all things, but notice what it says. And having, I mean, having the promise of the life that now is, 
and of that which is to come. So what's the life that now is? That's the one we're in right now. So is godliness profitable in this life? Are we to be profitable in this life? I want you to see, we are to be profitable. Profitable. We ought to do a whole message just on profitable and profit, you know? Sometimes it bothers me that they call it a non-profit ministry. You know? Well, if godliness is profitable to all things, certainly we're profitable in our non-profit, okay? (laughs) All right? But the fact is, is profitable a good thing? That's the right direction, right? That's blessing. That's increase. We're doing good. If, If a company said we had a profitable year, what does that mean? They did well that year, right? So God wants us to be profitable in every aspect of our life. That includes our bank accounts, our checking accounts. That includes our health. That includes our mental health. That includes our our relationships and our marriage with our children. That includes on the job. That includes everything I set my hand to. Because he said what? Profitable to all things. All things in this life. What I'm trying to establish is in this life, right now, not just waiting till we get to heaven. There are many preach, oh man, it'll be great when we get to heaven. But this scripture says that God wants us to be profitable in all things now. Everybody say now. Right now. All right? I mean, heaven is wonderful, but I ain't living in heaven yet. (laughs) All right? Heaven is in the future. I'm in the right now. This is when I want to see it. Godliness is profitable into all things. We could say this, all things are made better through godliness. Now, what's godliness? (laughs) What's godliness? Well, godliness is being like God, mimicking Him. What does God do? Well, God walks in love, doesn't He? He is love, right? He, He walks by His Word. He's faithful to His Word. Can we be faithful to His Word? Absolutely. So what is godliness? Godliness is being like God, acting like Him. Well, that is profitable, or that is a profitable lifestyle. If we'll live that way, then we are promised in this life to have that blessing, that increase in all these areas of life. Amen? It's all available to us. Now, what I want to do beyond that is look at material blessing. God always has and always will desire for His children to live in prosperity. Remember our main text said what Christ did for us. We've been given the blessing of Abraham, right? The blessing of Abraham. The very first thing God blessed Abraham with is He made him very rich. The very first blessing. Everybody say very rich. rich. Now, is not very rich exceed rich, right? Very rich. He made him very rich rich that was the very first blessing and you and i have been blessed with the blessing of abraham can we be expect can we expect to be rich now somebody immediately might say well wait a minute pastor do you mean that we could be millionaires (laughs) well the bible doesn't promise that the bible promises that we'd be rich now what does rich mean it means a full or an abundant supply meaning that there's more than enough all right. Now, how far you go with the kingdom of God in regarding wealth? I, be, I really do believe that God doesn't pick and choose and just say, he's wealthy, he's not. Is it available to all of us? Now, there are some God would anoint all right, 
to, for the purpose of uh, going maybe a step beyond in wealth, like, for example, to give into the ministry, but do they still need to do their part? They can't just sit there and wait for it to come upon them. They need to act on the principles of the Word of God and obey God for themselves. And as they do that, God can prosper them. But that same principle goes for all of us. And how far you want to take it is up to you. The Bible says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. With the same measure that you give, is the same measure it'll be back. Can we measure it small and give small? Can we? So what happens when you give small? You're going to what? Receive small. <laughs> so can I decide on my own, I'm going to be a big measurer. Why? Because I'm going to be a bigger giver. Why? So that what? More can be, be at a higher level that comes back to me. So are you in control of what's going on here? You really are. It's really up to you how far you will go. If you're a tightwad with your giving, in the same level, tightwadish, it's going to come back to you. <laughs> but if you're super generous, in other words, if you're always going exceedingly abundantly beyond, you know, where you have an idea of, well, I could give 75, but I'm going to go with the 40. Well, then the person that God touches to give back to you is going to think the same way, the same measure you use. So if you're always exceedingly generous, what's going to happen? It's always going to come back to you more than you gave, first of all, and it's going to come back in that same measuring thing. That's not in my notes. That was a freebie. All right? But you all get it? It's, you're in control. It's up to you. Same thing with a farmer sowing seed, Right? What kind of harvest he gets is determined by how much seed he sows. It's not up to the Lord. <laughs> God's not going to make something more multiplied than what it is. You know, one apple seed's going to produce how many trees? So if I want a lot of trees, what do I got to do? I'm going to plant one and say, Oh Lord, bless my seed. He's going to say, Sow more seed, son. Right? And I'll have how many more trees? However many seeds I sow. Are you guys all getting it? It's in your hands. Say it's in my hands. Quit always saying, oh Lord, will you bless me? He's like, I gave you the tools. Make it work. Remember, what? it's a spiritual law. Seed time and harvest. God created it. It's all up to you what you do with that. Why am I telling you that? It's not even in my message. But that's good stuff, guys. Amen? All right. Go with me to 3 John. Now, we told you to go to 3 John. Go to verse 2. Very familiar scripture. I'm just trying to sink something in your heart tonight. Godliness is profitable for all things. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. But what does he want us to prosper in? All things. Everything. 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 In fact, I think, this isn't the King James. Anybody have the King James? Are you looking at it? What does the King James say? I wish above. Now, I don't, listen. Apostles don't go around wishing. All right? That's just the King James. All right? The language they use. But they're not going around wishing. All right? I mean, it's there. But... 
what is he saying? What is he implying? Above all things, I desire for you to prosper. That is the Spirit of God writing through John, telling us God's desire for us. I desire, and it's God is saying, above everything else that there is, I desire you to prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. So does God want us prosperous? He absolutely wants us prosperous in all things. Now that's just a couple scriptures we looked at. But in all things, he wants us to prosper. That is his desire. But there are many that would teach being poor or barely getting along is godly. And that is nonsense. How in the world are we going to fulfill the Great Commission if we're broke? The Bible, what is the Great Commission? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? How are we going to do that if we got no money? If we could barely feed ourselves, how in the world are we going to put forward the gospel? And so we can see clearly that being profitable is a God idea. It's a God-inspired idea. But being broke is anti-God. That's how you need to say it's anti-God. It is opposite God. Nothing about God is broke. You know, there are some that even preach and teach, and you've heard this, that I'm going to serve God for the rest of my life, so I took a vow of poverty. Well, that's ridiculous. How in the world are you going to serve God if you're broke? And Proverbs tell us no one listens to a poor man. No one goes down to the guy who's living in a shack saying, can you give me some advice in life? <laughs> right? Amen. Anyway, you guys get it. That God wants us blessed. God's Word said He wants us prosperous in this life, now. Amen? He wants us to prosper in all things. In fact, in the book of Matthew chapter 6, you don't need to turn there, but Jesus begins to share with us about material things. We all need things in life, right? We need a roof over our head, preferably with extra comforts like heat and air, right? Doors, windows, correct? You know, inside plumbing, I mean, all these fancy things, you know. We like vehicles. I don't want a horse and wagon. Might be neat to go ahead and borrow some time, but I want a nice vehicle. I want air conditioning and I want heat. I don't want to have to do Fred Flintstone. Believe it or not, I've had a car, too, that literally you could do Fred Flintstone. You could see the floor, you know, the ground moving below you. I mean, what I'm trying to say is we want, we want the food we want in the house, Right. Anybody ever live in a time where you didn't have the food you wanted in the house? It's just what you could afford, Amen. you know? But it's nice, praise God, that you can have what you want to have. Or when you want to go out to eat, you can. When you want to be a blessing and give some money away, you can. When, when it comes Christmas shopping, you got it. See, these are all material things that we need, right, in this life. To live a happy, successful, prosperous life, we need to have a full supply. Well, Jesus acknowledged that. And he told us not to worry about the things of this life. What was he talking about when he said the things of this life? Material things. Your home, clothes, food, bills to pay. He said, don't worry about those things. What did he tell us to do? He told us in Matthew 6, instead, don't worry. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what did he say? All these things, these material things you need will be added to you. So what things will be added to us? Material things. Does God want all of our needs met? Does he want more than enough, right? What if God wants to tap you on the shoulder and say, I need to borrow some money 
Would you go ahead and give that person over there $200? He wants you to be able to do it. Amen? And you should want to be able to do it. You should want to be able to be a blessing. We need to grow in our thinking. We think too small. Wherever you're at in life, you need to think a little bigger. You know, where we're, we're used to maybe giving so much, we ought to think, bless God, I want to increase that by double next year. I want to grow. But guess what? You've got to initiate it. Now, God will hook up with you and get connected with it, and He's more excited about it than you are because He gets to reach more people. But you have to do your part. You have to step out. But the point is this, that God doesn't want us lacking. He told us in Philippians 4.19, He what? He would supply all of our needs, right? All of our needs. Say it with me, all of my needs. All right, so real, real quickly, go with me to Deuteronomy 28. Let's look at the curse of the law in regards to poverty. Remember, according to Scripture, Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. So let's take a look at the curses for disobeying God's law. And most of these that we're going to look at real quickly are dealing with poverty, more or less. So go with me to Deuteronomy 28. And verses 1 through 14 deal with the blessing uh, for obeying, and 15 through uh, the rest of it deal with the curses. Now, verse 15. Now, by the way, before we start, everybody understand that God doesn't go around cursing, right? Anywhere we see here where it says the Lord did this or the Lord did that, what does it mean? It means the Lord allowed, all right? He stepped back and allowed it to happen, all right? Verse 15. Deuteronomy 28, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. Well, I don't want that. Amen. I want to be blessed in this in the city and the country. Verse 17, cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. In other words, what you're doing. Verse 18, curse shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offsprings of your flocks. Now, many of you might not be raising animals or you know farming with food, but the fact is, what are we saying here? We're talking about your livelihood. We're talking about um, where you're earning money from and so on and so forth. Uh, it's not looking good. Verse 19, curse shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. So in other words, no matter what happens, you're losing in this, in this scenario. Verse 20, the Lord will, I'm going to say it this way, will allow on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do. Now remember, what's the blessings when it comes to setting your hand to something? Everything you would set your hand to would be what? Blessed and prosper. This is just the opposite. Until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken him. Now go down to verse 38 and 40. Verse 38 and 40. You shall carry much seed out to the field, but gather little in, for the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. Verse 40, you shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with oil, for your olives shall drop off. So in other words, this isn't good. You're doing things, and what's happening? They're not paying off, they're getting worse, all right? Go down to verse 47 and 48. 
Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will uh, allow against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. Everybody say, in need of everything. So what does that sound like? That's actually extreme poverty. In need of everything, always lacking. And he'll put a yoke of iron on your neck until, you, uh, until he has destroyed you. Now, these things here that we read, again, guys, kind of give us an illustration, an idea that, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about lack. We're talking about need. Now, what does God call all these things? Poverty. What is he calling it? He's calling it a curse. He's calling it a curse. That means it's something very specific. All right? He's saying these things. God is saying, I don't want that in your life. That is opposite of my desire for you. Now, if you choose to follow the devil, if you choose to walk away from me, that's all that's left is what he's saying. But Jesus redeemed you and I from that curse. Now remember, you and I were in that curse by default, right? Adam sinned, followed all the way down, and the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So the category left for us was the curse. But Jesus came along and freed us from the curse. We were slaves sold into this. And Jesus comes along and pays the price to free us from that curse. You need to see poverty the same way you see sickness and disease. That God redeemed... Now listen, look at my hand. This is the curse. God redeemed us from the curse. He pulled us away from the curse of poverty. Poverty should have nothing to do with my life legally. Remember how we said legally... You're free from sickness and disease. Well, the same thing with poverty. Don't think of poverty as, well, I made a few bad decisions. Or because of this, or because of that. You need to consider this spiritual link here. And how it's connected. The fact is, you and I have been redeemed from poverty. Nothing to do with it. I want to read to you um, Galatians 3, 13, and 14, 29, I read earlier, but don't look at your Bibles because I want to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible and I want you just to listen, all right? Just listen to this, all right? Because it's really good. It really helps us get it. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law and its condemnation by Himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the Scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or is crucified. To the end. So in other words, why did He do it? He wanted to do it for a purpose. He redeemed us from the curse to the end. That, through receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. What is He trying to do? He's trying to get the blessing of Abraham to us. How did he do it? By becoming a curse for us, he became our substitute to get the blessing of Abraham over to us that it would come upon us so that we, through faith, might receive all the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit 
And if you belong to Christ or in Him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to promise. So what we need to realize is, and honestly, I don't know that we fully realize it, all right? We need to realize and understand, I am redeemed from the curse of poverty. I've been set free from poverty And the blessing of Abraham is mine because I am in Christ. And Christ is the seed of Abraham. I am one with him, which makes me an heir to the promise. What To to the promise of what? To the blessing of Abraham. Again, what was the first blessing that God gave Abraham? He made him very rich. He gave him a full supply, an abundant supply. What does God want for us? He wants us to walk in that full supply. But we have to renew our mind to think a little differently. We need to remember that constantly throughout life, I've been redeemed from poverty that the blessing of Abraham might come on me. That means I need to talk like I'm blessed. I need to talk like the fruit of this is working in my life. I am blessed. I am prosperous like faithful Abraham. I am like Abraham. Abraham was blessed in everything he did, guys. Everything he did. Remember that God gave him everywhere his foot would go? Remember? I mean, he was, he was so wealthy, the nations of the world shook at him. They were bothered by him. Nations! I mean, not just a couple of people, you know, not just like another nation against another nation. We're talking about Abraham, who had this huge entourage everywhere he went. He, had, he was so blessed that he threatened other nations. I mean, the guy was prosperous. Well, the fact is, we need to see ourselves that way. Pro, say it with me. Say, I am blessed with the blessing of Abraham. Now say it again. I am blessed with the blessing of Abraham. That's who you are. That's a fact. That's what God says you are. You need to not talk about, I can't afford that. Don't say words like that. Now you might, you might say, well, I'm looking at the checkbook, Pastor. I'm telling you, I can't afford that. I don't care what your checkbook says. Quote what the Word of God says. Now, I'm not saying go out and write a bad check. You know, hey, I'm going to pay cash for that Beamer. Amen. Here you go. You know, hope for the best. You know. Don't do something stupid like that, but begin to change the way you talk and think. Don't think of yourself as, well, I only have this much money. Fine, if that's what you want. Or I only make this. Or I only can do this. It's up to you. Do you have the blessing of Abraham in your life and you're redeemed from poverty? What is poverty? Poverty is lack. It is lack. It is not having enough to do what I want to do right? Well, why do I have to think little in what I want to do? The Bible says this. I want you guys to listen closely, and we'll wrap up with this. The Bible says that all the silver and all the gold belong to God. You can find this in Haggai. All the silver and all the gold. Say it with me. All the silver and all the gold. Now, what is the main focus or mode of money in the world? Silver and gold, right? The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of cattle. In other words, what is the Bible trying to tell us? That the things in this earth and on the earth 
belong to Him. If that isn't enough, several times in Scripture it says that the whole earth and all its fullness belongs to God. The earth and all its fullness. What is the fullness part? All the wealth, all the things in the earth, all the things that are there. Do you really think God made all those things to give to the devil and his bunch? Or are those for his children? I'm a child of God. You need to go around saying, I'm very rich. Say it with me. Say, I'm a child of God. And the blessing of Abraham is upon me. I'm very rich. I'm very, very rich. Now, what does rich mean? Does it mean I'm a millionaire? It means I'm abundantly supplied. That's just as good, guys. Yeah, you can get a millionaire. Oh, I'm a millionaire by paper only. The guy's got all his money tied up in everything and can't afford to buy a cup of coffee. There are people out there that are millionaires that can't pay their phone bill. Because all their money's tied up and stuff. So I'm not that impressed, okay, when someone says I'm a millionaire or something like that. The fa- even these guys, that are, they're billionaires, multi-billion. Their money, they could lose their shirt overnight if the company tanks. It's all in paper. It's not real. You know what I'm saying? They don't, they're not stockpiling silver and gold in some bank somewhere saying that's all mine. You know, no, if the company stock thing goes down, if one thing went wrong, they lose their shirt. And before you know it, they're in debt up to their eyeballs. They're not rich anymore. God's idea of rich guys is totally different. It's an abundant supply. It's more than enough. Amen? More than enough is more than enough. And how far you want to go with that is on you. Like I said, Luke 6.38 doesn't have any rules, guys. The only rule is give. How blessed you want to be is entirely up to you. Y'all get what I'm saying? I mean, I, I was thinking about this in one of the books I read recently. Um, it was talking about a man talking about someone else who was at a meeting at a church and uh, they had an evangelist come out. This is probably back, you know, 40 years ago, 50, 60 years ago. And, and this was a pretty big church at the time. It was about 1,800 people. And and evangelist, every single night for 10 days or something, 14 days, he kept on going back to Luke 6.38. That was one of his main texts that he was ministering off of. And so, remember, what does that say? Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. So God's behind it, but men are doing it. For with the same measure you give the same measure to come back to you. So in other words, whatever measure you're using to give is how it's going to come back. Well, he preached this over and over and over and over and over. The last night of the meeting, he said, now this is back, like I said, maybe 60 years ago. He said, I believe the Lord, the Lord inspired him to raise enough money, and it was $10,000 for a church air conditioning system for their main auditorium. All right, And like I said, big church. And so he's like, I, I want to raise that tonight. And he said, and he put his Bible, and he said he opened it up to Luke 6, 38, and he said it there. And he said, this is what I want you to do. And it was bold of the, the preacher to do this. He said, I, I don't want you to give what you can afford to give. Give what you can't afford to give. If you can afford 50, give 100. If you can afford 250, give 500. If you can afford 500, give 1,000. Now, what is he doing there? He's trying to get them to what? 
increase that measuring cup because we go by what we can afford and what we can't afford right is god limited by anything that you got can he make things happen absolutely well in this story um, what he was talking about in this story was relating how there was two gentlemen that were in a special bible class in this church and they were both businessmen at the time now remember it's a long time ago so the amount of money is different but these businessmen both went to this teacher in their church and told them we need to pray you to pray with us because if we don't have x amount of business by the end of the month we're we're both going bankrupt we're going to have to close our doors so they heard this sermon and they heard what the guy said and so both businessmen gave what they couldn't give one gave 250 and one gave 500 now remember they're going bankrupt what would it tell you if you're going bankrupt what does your mind tell you what does the devil tell you you're broke. You can't afford to give anything. In fact, he didn't have anything to give. And so basically, he gave borrowed money. <laughs> he knew he was already in the hole. So they both did that by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost at the moment. One gave 250, one gave 500. And they laid it on that Bible right on Luke 6:38. And he told every single one of them that as you come up, and he didn't take a normal offering, so you walk up and you lay your offering right on that scripture. And when you do it, you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am counting on your word. And it was, I am acting on your word. And, and we'll believe God together. Well, both businessmen totally turned around. In other words, both just instantly, just within a couple weeks, everything was turned around and they were above board and not even close to you know, having a problem. Can God change things? But again, it's all on us, isn't it? We have to make a decision. What do I want to do? If we always do what we're comfortable with, I am not trying to increase the offering tonight. Guys, I'm just teaching you, okay? I want you to make, make that clear. I'm not trying to do something, okay? But what I'm saying is if we always have done what we always do, then what are we going to get? the same return, the same things over and over. How are we going to increase from where we're at by increasing what we're doing? Has we increased the level of what we're doing, now there's more to increase. You guys, another way of saying this and this, and I'm just sharing this by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. If you want to change, make a change. If you want to change in your life financially, for example, okay, I'm just using that as an example, then make a change. Make a decision. Amen? Listen, one last scripture. You don't need to turn here. But the fact is, is that, again, Jesus redeemed us from the curse. We're free from poverty. And as we obey the Lord by honoring His Word and the leading of His Spirit, we can be assured of blessing in our life. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Listen, I don't have barns or vats, but I have checking accounts and savings accounts and other things. You understand what I'm saying? That's what the Lord's talking about. That our storage, wherever you put your money, will be increased. It will be blessed. Amen? Does God want us blessed? Amen. Amen. Say He wants me profitable in all things. Amen? Amen? Amen. Say it with me again. Say, I'm going to have the best Christmas I've ever had. Amen. Amen. And that doesn't mean just money, guys, but sure is nice to have extra to give around and buy gifts and not sweat it. Amen.
Amen. I'm telling you, I mean, I know a few people going a couple thousand dollars debt every year, you know, and I'm thinking, that ain't for me, you know. God will bless me. Amen. I always have more than enough. And see, I, that's, I don't say it as if it's in the future sometime. He's blessing me all the time. He's blessing me all the time. He always, always. The Lord told me a long time through my pastor, he said, as you obey the Lord, you'll never lack. You'll never lack. You'll always have it. But sometimes it doesn't always happen the way I want it to or in the timeline. You know, Brother Hagin used to say, God doesn't always settle up every Saturday night, but he always settles up. It may not be on the way we'd like it. Well, Lord, I would like it all 12 months in advance and 12 equal payments. You know, <laughs> it ain't going to work that way. But, man, I tell you, I have seen guys, I could tell you story after story after story of supernatural blessing and obeying God and honoring Him and stepping out and Him just coming through, just, oh, I'm telling you, it's beautiful. It's beautiful.